Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. God is great. All the time. Seeing if you would catch up on that one, pick that one up. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for another day of life. And Lord, now another year to be able to experience you and what you're going to do for us. We pray that as we uh, open the word today, Lord, Help us to learn what you want us to know and also apply it to our lives. And God, uh, we just thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I hope your New Year's was quiet last night. <laughs> Mine wasn't. And I know several of our fellow brothers and sisters here. Seems that about 11.55, everybody thought it would be great to light fireworks off. Those of you who have dogs and cats probably had them running around the house. Oh, but praise God, we are here. <clears throat> I'd like to begin with a story. Um, I don't remember the exact name of the young lady, but let's just call her Dina. She was a teenager, and uh, she had another older brother named Adam who uh, was in the military and he was serving overseas. And they'd grown up the model American family, mom, dad, two kids, boy and a girl, parents both hardworking, father was a foreman for a company um, and surprisingly did pretty well. And uh, so needs were well provided for. Eventually her mother got sick, got breast cancer. And uh, as she uh, entered teenage years, she had to become a little more responsible and help care for her mom while her dad was at work, her brother away serving in Afghanistan and Iraq, depending on, uh, he went on several deployments. Well, her mom began to get sicker and sicker and sicker until eventually the final prognosis was she had several months to live. And sadly, um, her mother passed away, and it was hard for the family. Her brother was able to come back, spend time together, grieve, and then he went back on for, to continue to finish out the deployment. About a week before he was supposed to return, he was killed by a roadside car bombing. The response at home course was difficult, hard, came from a town that valued, a small town that loved and valued each member, for those especially who also served, and uh, Dina loved her brother, broke her heart. Well, she went out with some friends, and uh, 
When she drove up, her father was looking out the window, and as she got out of the car from the young man who was driving her, she was walking up. She was trying to fix her hair and fix her top. I think you can probably figure out what was going on. When she came in, her father started to scream and berate her. Now, she was simply trying to go out, hang out with friends, done nothing too bad. But it was the final straw that had broken her father's back because he had endured the loss of his wife and now his son and now his daughter was acting in a manner that was unbecoming of the family in his eyes. So he never hit her. She went to her room. She laid down on her bed and she said, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm old enough. So she gathered her things. She opened the window and she left. Her father, meanwhile, was steaming for several hours. Then he realized what a knucklehead he had been. And so he waited until the morning to wake up. He went to her room. He knocked on the door. Nothing. He opened it and he realized everything was neat, but she wasn't there. She thought that's, he thought that's odd. Well, time would go on. She would never come home. He filed a missing persons report. Nothing. She could, he could not find her. Meanwhile, Dina had called some friends and asked, hey, can I stay with you? She tried to hide from her father because she was so angry. How dare he talk to her that way? And so she... She decided she resolved in her heart that she was never going to go home. And unfortunately, this is a common story of a child running away. Well, you can imagine what can happen there. She met some influential people in her eyes, promising her everything. And yet, unfortunately, fell in uh, a negative lifestyle that I don't want to, you know, because kids are here, but you as adults can figure out what happened. And she was stuck in this cycle of substance abuse, other kinds of abuses. And so finally, after a couple of years, she felt like there was no way out. There was no hope. She couldn't get away. And finally, after being struck by one of the individuals, she decided, I don't care if it kills me. I will get out. And so she waited a couple of days and finally she could get away. She got out. And as she was running away, she came to a road. And there was a car there coming at her. And she waved her hands frantically. And the car drove by. And this happened several times until finally there was a car with an older woman and a younger woman. He asked, hey, are you okay? Yes, please. I just need a ride anywhere and out of here. And I said, okay, get in. I mean, who does that in this day and age? Maybe 30, 50 years ago, it would have been a different story. But now you don't do that. And they could obviously see that she was in distress. She had some challenges. She knew They knew she needed help. And by the grace of God, these two individuals out of their own volition, were kind and graceful, took her home. They had a spare apartment and said, look, just stay here overnight and in the morning, 
we'll figure out what to do. And there began a journey of a long journey for Dina. She decided she wanted to get clean. She wanted to get help. But there was something that as time went by, as she finally had gone through a program, she needed to face her fear. She needed to call her father. And so uh, Mrs. Collins, the woman who had picked her up, called her dad. Is, uh, is Mr. Albert there? He said, yes, this is Mr. Albert. I have your daughter. Would you like to speak to her? Instantly, his heart swelled and yet was also fearful. And on the other end of the line, all he could hear was, Daddy. And he simply said, Dina, I love you and I'm sorry. Please come home. For Dina, it had been several years where she had been longing just to hear her dad's voice and hopefully not be in a voice that is condemning because that was her worst fear. Yet instead of a voice of fear and condemnation, she found brokenness and love. It would be a little bit before she would be reunited with her dad, but the journey to grace and reconciliation had begun. But for Dina, she had experienced several years as an outcast, being caught in a life that was debilitating, painful, and it would take a long time for her to heal. She felt ostracized, not being able to reach out to those that she knew. She had a new lease, a new beginning on life. Amen? So today, I want to begin uh, a journey and uh, the next couple of, well, at least for this month and the next month, we're going to, in a way, be talking about mission. But I wanted to store, start with the story of the woman at the well. And we're going to kind of look back and reflect on uh, mission. We're going to talk about vision and, and how we do that. And then also reflect to this one story. Now, every follower of Jesus, we all have a story of how we came to God, Right. And all of these stories are going to vary because we're all not the same. We, we probably were raised in different parts of the world. We, we came up in, uh, let's just say, uh, different. <laughs> Some of us grew up very well. Some of us did not grow up as uh, financially affluent. Some of us came from different parts that were very, well, it was awesome. And others... Not so great. Some of us grew up not in the faith. Some of us did. And all of this combined gives us the opportunity to have different uh, viewpoints, different experiences. And as a collective, God has called us together. He as the head and we as the body to do our part to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I want to begin this year talking about what God has in mind, at least as a very basic part. What 
is the church called to do? To share Jesus with others. And we'll talk a little bit more intentionally about that next week. But today, I want to talk about the fact that everybody begins their faith journey somewhere. For some, it may start at the very beginning because your parents, from the very day you were born, maybe you were here, you were dedicated in the church as a baby and you grew up in the church. And some, you're, you're thinking about joining the church right now. And all of this is good news. And so we're going to go to the book of John. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 4. The book of John, chapter 4. And it's here that we find that Jesus has an encounter with a woman, Samaritan woman. And in this case, for this woman, it probably was unexpected. She had no idea that she was going to meet the Son of God or that her life was going to be profoundly impacted. In fact, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that some, God sometimes acts in unexpected moments. Is this true in your life? Okay. God just out of the ordinary, somewhere out of the ordinary made something extraordinary. God sometimes acts in unexpected moments. And so the story that we're going to read and study is a woman who, uh, she had an idea of who God was. And then her life is changed radically. Okay. So John chapter four, are we all there? Now we're going to read through this story and some of it I'm going to highlight especially, uh, but let's just kind of look at the whole story. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. Now, it's interesting. So Jesus is sitting at a well. And John is being very intentional about including this little, little nugget here. When you look back on the Old Testament, are there any stories of where people were at the well and maybe something profound happened at the well? Okay, let's, let's name some. Moses, right? Okay, who did he meet there? The daughters who ended up turning into one of them became what? His wife, right? Anybody else maybe meet a potential spouse near a well? How about Jacob? His eyes longed and saw for uh, Rachel. And we also, maybe uh, Jacob's dad, also by proxy of his representative, also found who? Rebecca, right? And this is not lost on John. And so there's a little bit of a little bit of a reminder for our Jewish believers here who are our Jewish Christians who are reading this. And remember, this is the second generation. This is not 
the first generation of people following Jesus. This is the second generation of believers. And so they're, they're, uh, they're catching up on this, okay? And so it, it, it's, it's interesting how, as, as, you'll, as we'll read, um, the, <laughs> these guys meet their spouse at the well in a foreign land. Each woman leaves to tell the family or the father, and eventually they come to meet the great, to meet and greet the patriarch, and the woman marries, falls in love with the person, okay? Now, the Samaritan woman is not going to fall in love with Jesus. Not that way. Uh, but in a way, you'll, you'll see the connection, okay? Now, who are the Samaritans? By the way, Jesus going through Samaria, was that common? No. Jesus being a good Jew is not being a good Jew. Why would he go through Samaria? Because if you were a good Jew in their eyes, you would avoid Samaria. Well, Samaria, um, Samaritans were a group of people who lived, obviously, in Samaria, an area that was north of Jerusalem. Um, but they were considered half Jews and half Gentiles. So, you know, maybe, and I'm not trying to make fun of, but let's just maybe, uh, they, they were not, even though they worshipped the same God, they were not accepted into the family because years before, uh, I believe it was uh, 721 BC, the Assyrians captured the northern kingdom of Israel and they left behind, uh, the ones left behind basically intermarried with the Assyrians. And so these people, they were neither fully Hebrew nor fully Gentiles and the Samaritans had their own view of the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, <laughs> Deuteronomy, excuse me. And <clears throat> they use this, uh, these scriptures as their own view of worship. And so Jesus, the Jews, Samaritans, they did not, you know, deal with one another. Well, Jesus dealt with them fine, but the Jews and Samaritans, they didn't like each other. In fact, I mean, you look at the story of the good Samaritan, right? Nobody, the, the guy, the lawyer didn't even want to admit that the good Samaritan was the good dude in the whole story and actually helped. So she has an idea of who God is. So Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well is also uh, a theme found in the Old Testament. But um, it, Jesus should not be there. And, and, more than, and more than that, he shouldn't even be talking to her because men and women, unless you were married, you did not talk to one another. And as we'll find, uh, we read, she came to the well about noon. Women generally did not come during the middle of the day. Okay. So Jesus is breaking all cultural barriers right here, all cultural norms. He's a Jew in a Samaritan place talking to a Samaritan woman. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, hey, will you give me a drink of water? By the way, in, in other translations, it says, you know, it was about the sixth hour. Anything relate to the cross on there? Okay. I'll leave that little nugget for you when you read the, read the, read Jesus' last hours and last days of his life and maybe see if there's a connection there. He asked, sir, will you give me a drink? Sorry, I got something in my throat. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. So his disciples had gone into town to get food, and they left Jesus there by the well by himself. And so the Samaritan woman, by the way, let's just, when, when Jesus talks to uh, people, he also, in the book of John, he uses riddles instead of parables. And so Jesus is asking questions. So let's focus here now on John 4, 7 through 14. He says, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for what? A drink, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. Okay. Those of you who maybe know this answer, what's Jesus referring to here in this living water? Okay. You can also look at it as the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus will talk more about that in John 7. But here, Jesus is broadening her perspective. And so she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So she's thinking literal, Jesus, thinking from a, he's trying to use an analogy. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Okay. So she knows who Jacob is. She knows who Abraham is who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock. And Jesus responded with, everyone who drinks this water will be what? Thirsty again. Okay, so Jesus is pointing out the obvious. Look, you can drink from this will, well, but what he's really saying is, I'm offering something even better than this literal water. And so he says, uh, indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into what? Eternal life. And so Jesus is explaining to her, hey, what I have to offer is better than anything, any kind of Evian or arrowhead that you could experience. Okay. I have the power, the words that I have, and the power of the Holy Spirit can change your life. And so he continues, or she continues. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I have to keep coming here to draw water. Obviously, you know, look, if you have to never go back and get water, that would be super convenient, right? <laughs> and then... Jesus gets a little personal. So he says, hey, go call your husband and come back. Probably says, um, I, I, I have no husband. And, uh, and then Jesus responds, yeah, you're right when you say you have no husband. But the fact is that you have how many husbands? Five. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said, just said is quite true. And she says, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. So now her eyes are opening. This isn't just somebody randomly sitting by the well. Could this be? Could this be the one that is spoken of? Could this be the Messiah? And so she says, Our ancestors worshipped on the mountains, but you Jews 
complain, sorry, claim that you, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So you can kind of see already the divide here as well. When she says, you Jews, it's almost like she's pointing a finger saying, you guys. But now Jesus is going to flip that whole narrative upside down. Okay. As we look here in verse 21, Jesus is expanding the paradigm and he says, woman. And when he says woman, he's not like woman. It's, it's a term of endearment, of respect. He says, believe me, a time is coming for you when you worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come. It's not future. Jesus is now saying in present tense, has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Here Jesus is starting to open up the paradigm and see that no longer are you going to have to go to the temple and sacrifice, but you're going to worship through the spirit. Opening up to the idea that Salvation is not just for the Jews. It's not going to be for the Samaritans. It is for everybody. The true worshipers of God. When we look through the Bible, we, we find that even people, or, or even outside, we, there are stories that validate this where they don't know exactly who they're worshiping. But when you hear their stories, you realize that God is making an imprint. They'd never heard of Matthew or Exodus, but they got, God had been able to reach out to them in a way that they could understand, signifying that with God, all things are possible. Okay. And so the woman, verse 25, she says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And so she, the beautiful thing is she knew who Christ was and she was waiting for the Messiah to come. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And here Jesus loads this bombshell onto her. He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can you imagine being this woman here where she's just thinking she's having a normal conversation and all of a sudden, her whole world is now going to get flipped upside down. Where she was just going to get water. And here she meets a man and now is explaining wonderful truths that God desires us to worship in spirit and in truth. But she also knows that God knows who she really is. Let's just kind of highlight a few things. So just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, hey, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? <laughs> and here in verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come 
see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Interesting to know that one of the first evangelists was a woman. Goes to her hometown and tells her people, hey, this guy knows who I am. He was able to explain everything about me. It was her testimony that drew the people, as, we will, as, you, as you will read later on, that draws them to finally believe in who Jesus is. And so the disciples, meanwhile, they're, 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 they're urging Jesus to eat. Hey, Rabbi, please, you know, eat something. Jesus responds, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And some of them are scratching their heads. Who brought him food earlier? <laughs> Again, Jesus using riddles. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish the work. And, and he goes on, he talks about, is it still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Every now, the one, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the same, one sows and other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and yet you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus is implying the fact that, look, it's time. I am here to share the good news. The harvest is ready, but we need to have people. Do we want to be a people who is ready and dedicated to answer the call to share the good news of Jesus with others, that others may know who Jesus is and find hope, salvation, and blessing in the Lord. I think the world is in need of good news. Amen? Because most of the news that I hear, very rarely is it good. In fact, all the headlines, uh, what you Pick your lot in headlines. Generally not good. And, and this all ties together of how Jesus meets this woman. He shares who he is. She goes, and now we're going to find that she brings people back. But in the midst of this, Jesus is sharing with the people who are already in the faith and already in the church, being reminded, okay, because he's talking to the second, this is talking to the second generation Look, we need to be ready. Are you ready to share the good news? And so just as a highlight, verses 39 through 42, many of the Samaritans believed the woman and everybody knew who she was. Okay? It was not lost on them. But because of her testimony, she was able to bring everybody out. And Jesus didn't just go out and meet and greet and say hi because how long did he stay with them? Three days. Three days that he could spend time getting to know and sharing wonderful, awesome things that they can take with them to help build up their faith that they too could also go out. They could all have a new beginning in life. Now, what does this all mean for us? Well, I think there's a couple lessons that we can learn from this story. And especially for the Samaritan woman, there are three things that we can take away. And I wish I was smart enough 
to say that I, or I wish I was smart and I could say like, this is my ideas. And unfortunately it's not, um, my good friend Peter shared these with me and I'm just stealing them. I'm going to share them with you because they're too good. <laughs> One lesson that we can take is that Jesus provided a sense of belonging for the Samaritan woman because she had an identity, a reputation. Was it a great reputation? No. Jesus gave her a place to belong. And I think we sometimes take that for granted. Now, some of us would prefer to stay home and be inside, right? And to some degree, I am like that. I mean, I love everybody, but I also need to have my alone time. I think that the last two years have highlighted the fact that we want to belong together. That's why you're all here. Otherwise, you could be staying home and maybe watching us here on YouTube. But no, you found that it is valuable enough that you want to be here to be with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to come and worship God because this is your home. The second thing that we can take from this is that Jesus restored her dignity, her self-worth. It's here that she suddenly realizes that she has value. She means something. She's not just, well, let's just name her. Let's just name her. Uh, what, what, what do you want to call her? Help me out. Anybody have a name? Rita. Rita. Okay. So Rita has value, self-worth. She has a past, but now she has hope. She has a future. She's found redemption. How many of us have made mistakes in the past that maybe we're still struggling over right now because it's hard for us to let it go because it was a horrible thing? There is redemption and hope and self-worth in Jesus. And the final thing, the third thing that we can take from this story is that she found purpose. Because now she discovered that, hey, I've found something great. I have found redemption. And now I want to share it with everybody. God gives us purpose for our life. It's not that just we follow God, but we have a purpose to understand who God is, to have the same values of God, of Jesus, but also passing those values onto others and the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ and also God's return. So, belonging, self-worth, and purpose. And I take comfort in this story because it is Jesus who has all power and authority and strength to overcome the world. Seemingly a little innocuous story is actually mind-boggling amount of awesomeness. My wife just cringed at that. I'm not, okay. What I mean to say is that God is able to do amazing things in unexpected ways. When was the last time God unexpectedly showed up in your life? Maybe it was when you 
first met God, or maybe it's been a couple of years and in your faith journey, kind of gets a little tired and maybe you've plateaued. But God doesn't want us to stay plateaued. God wants us to rise. And even when we maybe fall and dip, God is there to bring us back up, to find self-worth, to find purpose, and a sense of belonging. So, this week, as you reflect, okay, when you first met Jesus, was it a time of rejoicing or uncertainty? And in that journey, okay, as you reflect back since then, what are some of the highlights in your walk with Jesus? I want you to think back and remember what are some of the highlights. Maybe it was your baptism or maybe you helped lead somebody to Christ and they got baptized. Whatever it may be, think back and reflect on those things. And so as you reflect, I also want to challenge you this week. So every day this week in your daily prayer, I want you to give something God, give God, give to God something that you are struggling with or are challenged by. We all have challenges. We all have things that, that hold us up. And much like the woman at the well, she had her burdens. And yet when she met Jesus, those burdens were finally shackled. And I want you to have that same experience in this week of every day, whether it's in your morning prayer or evening prayer, at some time pray and give that burden, that that grief, whatever it is to God, and may you be freed by its weight. Amen? Amen. So may the Lord bless you, lead and guide you. May you find belonging, may you find self-worth, and may you find your purpose. Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful story of the woman at the well. And as we begin this, this series on mission and, and, and going out into the world and how we can do so, Lord, open our hearts and our minds and may you bless 2022 here at Downey Church with uh, baptisms, with growth, and above all, Lord, may we be united and committed to you. And until that day that you return, give us wisdom, strength, and courage. And Lord, may we love and empathize as you did. Thank you for your great sacrifice. We love you and worship you. All glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everybody.